Welcome to Audiobook Test Drive. In today's episode, we are featuring an excerpt from Death on His Trail, written by Cole Matthews. Death was never far away for Rigdon Pierce. Rigdon Pierce was sent to ride south to the Texas-Mexico border in search of a missing ramrod, Monty Davis, and to scout new cattle trails and steers. Soon he found out just what kind of trouble a man can get into, especially in Texas, trouble that nearly claimed him and Monty. Upon returning to Montana, Rigdon learned that he had been given a half-interest in the Crooked Jay cattle herd by Cleet Nolan, the man who raised him. Then danger and death showed up on the trail, along with word that Nolan, a man known for his abstinence, was on a bender and likely to give or gamble away ownership of the Crooked Jay. Rigdon had to convince other ranchers to make a stand and help him take down a scheming sheriff who wanted all the land. After becoming the owner of the Crooked Jay, Rigdon found that he once again had to fight to stay alive. While fighting off a traitor from the past and his band of outlaws, he found some redemption and perhaps happiness. Yet, as was the norm in his life, death continued to follow him. And now for your listening pleasure, an excerpt from Death on His Trail. Part 1 Chapter 1 Texas-Sized Trouble Texas-Mexico Border six months earlier. Riding beside Monty Davis, young Rigdon Pierce drew his horse to a halt as the two officers moved into their path at the head of the bridge from Guerrero to Santa Rosa. Rigdon's eyes were dull, unemotional, as he looked at the two officers. Monty Davis, dark, lined face drawn into a grin, grunted sarcastically. We stop, said Rigdon. I reckon. Like any other suspected crook, Jubal Allen, the younger of the two officers, said bitingly, You definitely will stop. The other officer, Roberto Sanders, an older man with a badge reading U.S. Customs on his shirt front, shook his graying head slightly at Allen. Going and coming, the older man said softly to Rigdon. Everybody stops here now. That's the new law. Monty showed his yellow teeth as he smirked. Well, he spat impatiently. Do we stop all day? We ain't got nothing. You think we're a couple of rustlers or smugglers? Blue eyes flashing, Jubal Allen swore softly. Smugglers, he breathed. Hell yes, I think you're smugglers. I know it. And that ain't all. I hope I get you away from the bridge sometime when no one else is around. His eyes blazed afresh as he leaned forward. And when I do, he went on softly, there won't be any trial. You get what I mean, Davis? Between his slit lids, Monty's eyes threw disdain at the young officer. Yeah, he said. I get what you mean, Alan. A bleak, icy smile flitted for an instant over Rigdon's granite features. His eyes, still unemotional, looked straight at Sanders, then upriver in the direction of Fernando Island. I bet, he muttered to the officer. I'd bet as much as two pesos, Mr. Lawman, that you don't do no catching. Not unless you rise and shine mighty early in the morning. The kid turned his head to grin at Monty. Old Sanders waved his hand in a gesture of dismissal. Clacking their spurs, Rigdon and Monty urged their horses out onto the unstable bridge. Young Allen, a jagged smile on his lips and hate in his eyes, watched them jog across the loose planks. 
Absently, he rubbed his hand against the gun butt at his hip. Damn their hides, he gritted tensely. The stinking snakes. Presently, he threw a cigarette stub on the ground and stomped it with a high boot heel. They killed Joe Hillis. I know damn well they did. I wouldn't be surprised that new kid Rigdon did it. He showed up here right after Hillis was killed. His voice was rich with hate. Grinning curiously, old Sanders watched the disappearing backs of Rigdon Pierce and Monty Davis. At two, he said musingly. At two, early in the morning, we make a catch-up near Fernando. And, Allen, it wasn't proved that anybody in particular killed Hillis. Slowly, Jubal Allen turned. Bewilderment in his eyes, he studied Sanders. Well, I don't get you, Sanders, he finally said. You talk like you kind of favor this Rigdon kid, whoever he is. Well, maybe he didn't kill Joe Hillis, but he is trailing with a bunch of coyotes, and I hope he is in the batch we get at two in the morning. Old Roberto Sanders smiled again humorously. He looked from Allen to where Davis and Pierce rode off the bridge end. Old fire eater, he said to Allen. I got a hunch he'll be right there. At two in the morning, had Sanders repeated the words of the young kid Rigdon? Jubal Allen squinted meticulously at the graying officer. I sure hope so, he spat. The hate had not left his voice. Santa Rosa, Greedo's Cantina. Behind Monty Davis, young Rigdon Pierce entered the doors of the saloon. In the early dusk, the lamps in the smoke-filled room threw a golden haze around the place. Straight to the bar, through a maze of tables, Monty and Rigdon stalked, stiff-legged. Wiping yellow dust from his shirt front, slipping his wide-brimmed hat back on his head, Rigdon stopped beside the dark man. To the fat, oily-faced Mexican barkeep, Monty said, "'Whiskey!' Rigdon nodded, knowing that Cleet Nolan back in Montana would disapprove, but he kept his eyes from straying around the room. About ten girls mixed with the crowd of men in the place. All of them, all but one, had too much paint on their faces and wore flaring, sleeveless dresses. This other girl watched the broad back of Monty presented to the room. Rigdon caught her eye. She let her lids slide down over her eyes. The lines around her straight-lipped mouth deepening, she started a careless saunter toward the bar. A Chinaman, one of a group, said something to the girl as she passed the table. Stopping, she turned her head, looked evenly at the four. The Mexican shook his head at the Chinaman. Monty's girl, he uttered to them. They dropped their eyes to the tabletop. The girl smiled and came forward. Stopping behind Rigdon, she placed one hand on Monty's shoulder. Back, she asked, smiling at Rigdon. Monty Davis turned his head and smiled at her. She nodded, but the hardness in her eyes didn't disappear. Rigdon scowled at her back as she walked beside Monty to a door marked Private and entered with him. Oh, she's good, he whispered to himself hand going into his vest pocket for Macon's. But she hates somebody. Me or Monty. The plump barkeep leaned over the bar. What you say, gringo? he asked. Lips turning down coldly, rigged and grinned. It looks like rain, he said derisively. Rigdon's fingers fumbled with something in his vest. He started to withdraw it, then stopped. He looked casually around the room, then started toward the door. His fingers still stayed in his vest pocket. With his left hand, he pushed open the door and stepped outside. It was nearly dark. Rigdon glanced up and down the street. Except for a man who came toward him, the street was empty. Watching this fellow, Rigdon waited, 
hand still in his vest pocket. The man came closer. He stopped, squinting through the dusk at Rigdon. "'Is that you, Vorton?' asked Rigdon. Vorton spat, swore. "'You damn double-crossin!' he began. His hand flew backward, then Rigdon jerked. His hand flashed down, then up. His gun flamed. Vorton teetered forward, moaning inarticulately. Stepping aside, Rigdon watched his fall, waiting until the convulsing of Vorton's legs had ceased. Then Rigdon holstered his gun. Glancing swiftly up and down the deserted street, he ducked into the shadows between two buildings. Running through the darkness, he came to another dusty street. Near an open window, he paused and pulled a bald scrap of paper from his vest pocket. In the yellow light, it read, Monty Davis killed Joe Hillis. Rigdon cursed. Just as Cleet told him before he left Montana, watch the friends he made and stay out of trouble. He managed to disregard both pieces of advice. Who placed the note in his pocket? The girl? Did she know? Rigdon Pierce walked toward Greedo's cantina. At the door, he paused and eased his guns into their holsters. Had anyone seen Rigdon kill Vorton, Greedo's man? Eyes frosty and vigilant, hands easy at his sides. Rigdon pushed on the cantina door with his boot. Inside the private room at Greedo's, the girl who entered with Monty stopped just beyond the door. With a thin, cold smile on her lips, she watched Monty Davis's back as he took off his vest and threw it on a chair. The hard light flamed in her eyes as he unbuckled his gun belt and hung it over a nail in the wall. Her eyes stayed on the gun as Monty turned to look at her. "'Today's the day,' Monty said, exasperation in his voice. "'What's the decision, sister?' His black eyes roved over the girl's trim length, from her dark brown hair to her silken-clad ankles. The girl took her eyes from Monty's gun. As she looked at the tall man, her smile was a bit fanciful. "'All right, Monty,' she said, low-voiced. "'I will play, but I will play my way.' Monty raised his thick black eyebrows. "'Yeah?' he asked. There was a lot of cynicism in his voice, a lot for one word to carry. She nodded reluctantly. "'Yeah, Monty, I will play this way.' She took a step forward, both hands outflung. There was appeal in her eyes, and as she went on, her voice sank. "'You got a load, you sell it. But you keep the money. Keep it for you, for me. Then I will play, Monty. I will go somewhere else with you. Somewhere where you can be the big boss. We will buy a ranch, a business, or something away from here. I will play that way. But I will never be your woman here. Rubbing his hands together in front of him, Monty Davis smiled. He turned, pacing back and forth across the room, glancing theatrically at the girl. Then he stopped. His eyes cleared. He smiled menacingly. You know, he whispered gently, leaning toward the girl. I got riled when you first said that, but, but now, it ain't so bad. His voice sank even lower. Fire in the black of his eyes, he leaned forward. Tonight, he whispered abruptly, tonight I will get a load. I will sell it, and to hell with Greedo's. We will leave it. The knob in the door at the back of the room rattled. Monty paled and sucked in his breath sharply. The doorknob rattled again. Monty Davis glanced anxiously at his gun hanging on the wall as he stepped to the door and opened it. A massive Mexican stepped into the room. Through bloated lids, his beady black eyes peered at Monty. Monty, he said in exceptional English. 
Come in here. I want to talk to you. His huge jowls quivered as he talked. Monty nodded, looked again at his gun hanging on the wall, then followed the big Mexican through the door and closed it. All right, Greedos, he said, reverence in his tone. Greedos grinned weirdly, wrinkling the fat in his round face into oily lines. Without a word, Greedos turned and opened another door. It led to a small room in which there was a table. Standing in the doorway, he motioned to Monty. Monty stepped to the side, gulped, and shoved his way into the room. On the table lay a dead man. It was Edison Vorton, the man Rigdon killed in the street. Greedo smiled again at the query in Monty's eyes. He talked before he died, Monty, he said. He told me things that prove you're a fool. He told me things that prove we are all fools. We hope you enjoyed listening to this excerpt from Death on His Trail. If you would like to hear the entire audiobook, it can be purchased at Amazon.com, Audible.com, and iTunes.com.